You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. I don't lift my hands to an idea. I don't lift my hands to a philosophy. I lift my hands to a living person who is at the right-hand side of God, who ever lives to make intercession for me. I worship a living Savior who's coming back someday soon. He's going to land on the Mount of Olives. It's going to divide in half. He's going to rule this world with a scepter of righteousness. I'm telling you, the time is short. You better lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing nearer by the day. That's who I worship. One of the biggest turnoffs for religion is the idea of worshiping something that isn't real. Whether it's idols, books, or the things unseen, our world tells us that we're wasting our time investing in religion. Today, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that when you put your faith in God, it's not just another religion with an inanimate being. Instead, entering into a relationship with Jesus will make you the most alive that you've ever felt. The God of the Bible is alive today and wants to save you from your pain and suffering. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Mark, chapter 14, as he continues his message, Waste or Worship. Mary breaks open this alabaster container, and she walks over to Jesus, and Mark says she poured it on his head. This whole bottle. Now picture, now Jesus was 33 years old or so. He wasn't handsome. He was not a standout physique or physical person. He looked like any Jew, brown-eyed, black hair, I would imagine, the curly sideburns. What made Jesus stand out was the purity and the power and the force of his personality and character and the words that he spoke and the anointing of God that rested on him. Now here he is, black hair, brown-eyed, no doubt, olive-skinned. He wasn't black, he wasn't white, he wasn't yellow, he was red. He was olive. And she dumps this whole thing on his head, and it just goes dripping down. Highly expensive. The Bible says the fragrance begins to fill the room. Now, using the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, using the the other Gospels, John tells us something Mark doesn't tell us. John tells us that not only did she pour it on his head, but she got down on her knees and she poured it on his feet, and she wiped his feet with her hair. crying. This is heavy worship, y'all. This is heavy worship. This woman was so moved. When, 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 When Jesus came walking up and her brother was in the grave, you remember the story. Mary didn't even bother to come out of the house. Martha went bolting out of the house, ran up to Jesus. If you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Typical Martha. But Mary? Mary sat in the house still the Bible says. And then the Bible says Jesus called for her. And when Jesus called for her, she came out, she said the same thing. If you hadn't, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God? She said, oh, if you'd been here, I know he would have been raised. And I know in the last day he's going to be raised. Jesus said, you don't get it. Quit having just yesterday faith. 
or tomorrow, Faith. I want you to know that right now, in your now, in this hour, I am the resurrection and the life. You're about to see it. They didn't get it. Jesus said, roll away the stone. Well, you know, their brother, and they were a tight family. Brother and two sisters had Jesus for dinner several times. The Bible lets us know. He was a, he was a pretty common visitor. And when he came crawling out of that tomb, walking mummified in grave clothes, having been dead, all of the typical rigor mortis and everything else had been setting in. And he came walking out of there. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. And their brother, who they had said goodbye to and had closure with and everything else, came walking out of that tomb and stood up and said, hello, Martha, hello, Mary. It's a new day. I'm going to be one of those rare individuals that dies twice. Then something happened to Mary. Now, Mary was always the worshiper. You understand that. It was Mary that Martha rebuked when Jesus was in their house and Martha was clanging the pots and pans and trying to get the meal together. And Mary was sitting at his feet listening to his words. She was always the worshiper. She was always the one tuned into him. She was always the one that was, that was sensitive to him, listening to him, worshiping him, drawing near to him, seeking him. But she hadn't changed, but this resurrection did something to her. So she said, what can I give him? What can I do that my brother has been restored to me? My miracle. What can I do? What can I do? Here's what I'll do. Lazarus had money. We know he was a man of means. He had money. She went and she got this perfume. Don't know where it came from. He might have given it to her. She might have gone and bought it herself. Mary could have shopped on Rodeo Drive. So she had this. She says, I'm going to go. She says, here's what I can do. I'll waste it on him. I will pour it out. On him. I'll not use any of it for myself. I'm not going to just put a drop or two on him. Not going to spray him here and there. I'm going to pour a year's worth of money onto his head. And then I'm going to get down and I'm going to pour it on his feet. And I'm going to wash his feet with my hair. Now, when she did this, two attitudes, two states of mind, two kinds of hearts were instantly revealed in that room. They were revealed in the presence of worship. And I'm going to tell you, folks, it's the, what I'm about to show you is true for today. You can tell a lot about somebody whether or not they can worship God. Two personalities, two mindsets, two attitudes were revealed in that room immediately. Judas immediately, Judas immediately reacted. And he disingenuously said this. Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Well, doesn't that just sound noble? Doesn't that sound lofty? Doesn't that sound like Judas was just a really good good Samaritan, uh, you know, really cared about the poor. He was probably out there in the soup kitchens and everything else just trying to take care of those poor, poor people. John, once again, dives into this uh, scenario and tells us what his observation was. 
John says Judas cared not for the poor, but he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was in it. Now, let's think about this. Even Jesus had a thief in the house. I mean, he had 12 guys, and one of them turned out to be a thief. You know what else occurred to me? You think Jesus didn't know he was taking money out of that deal? You know what it shows me? Judas never had a clue who he was. Because if he had known who he was, he'd have known he didn't have to see him. He told Philip or Nathaniel, I saw you under the tree. I saw you before I ever saw you. You know what? Jesus saw you before he ever, before you ever met him. He saw you. He watched you. He followed you. He's keenly aware of everything we do, everything we think. Judas obviously had no idea who he was. And he'd been stealing out of, out of the little bank they were carrying around. Judas's heart was filled with greed and not affection for Jesus. And that was immediately revealed in the presence of worship. His greed made him vulnerable to the idea of serving or, or selling Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. His greed made him vulnerable. Now, I want to tell you a little principle. If something is more important to you than Jesus, the devil will find it. The devil will find it. That's why Jesus said, you better seek first the kingdom of God. Where a man's treasure is, that's where his heart will be also. If your heart is in Jesus, you're doing great. But if the enemy is able to lure you off into something that gets a hold of you more than Jesus, he's going to find it and he's going to use it. Judas had a greed problem, and he never crucified it. He watched Jesus walk on water, heal the sick, raise the dead, multiply the fishes and the loaves, preach like no man ever preached. He saw undeniable miracles, but his heart remained hard. How can that be? Well, it was. It was. That's why we need to give him our heart, y'all. That's why the Proverbs say, watch over your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. Y'all can say amen or owe me or something. Y'all are looking at me like, ooh. But Mary illustrates a different reaction. She had a heart of worship, not a heart of greed. She had a heart of worship. This is why I believe men, all you men in here, learn to worship God. Don't be John Wayne when it comes to worship. Don't be Clint Eastwood, Dirty Harry, when it comes to worship. You men, you need to learn to worship God. Breakthrough came into my life when I learned to worship God and quit worrying about what people thought about it if my hands went up in the air. I was terrified to raise them. I thought it looked sissy, strange, different. But when they finally got up in the air, it was like they became antennas. And, and the power of God hit me in a way that it couldn't because that's a sign of surrender. And so worship is, is, a, is a real differentiator between people. And here, Mary illustrates worship. And, and I can learn some things from her about worship. First of all, Mary remembered to thank him for what he had done. Now, that sounds simple. But there were 10 lepers that Jesus healed of leprosy. They went walking away from him. Nine of them never returned to thank him for anything. Only one came back, and Jesus said, Is there only this one? Didn't I heal 10? Mary had a miracle sitting at the table, but she didn't take the miracle for granted. 
She said, I'm going to thank him. I'm going to thank him right in front of the miracle. I'm going to thank him right in front of the disciples. I'm going to thank him right in front of the critics. I don't care. I'm going to thank him and worship him with the best that I've got. The second thing I learned from Mary is she gave what cost her something. You know, David said, I'm not going to sacrifice to the Lord my God that which costs me nothing. He's worth our very best. Let me ask you a question. Did God give his very best? Is there anything better that could have come to us than Jesus? You know, God didn't send an angel. He didn't send a cherubim. He didn't send a seraphim. He didn't send a normal human being. God wrapped himself in skin, was born of a virgin, entering into our world, walked among us, felt our pain, taught us how to live, taught us how to die, healed our sick and raised our dead and walked on the water and shook the world and did it all for us. And then in the end, he spilled his God blood so that our sin could be forgiven. Did God withhold the very best? No, there couldn't be any better than Jesus Christ. He is the lover of our soul. He is the savior of our life. He is our guide even unto death. It is Jesus who came for us. And God cared enough to send the very best. She gave what cost her something. You know what I see here? Love has no cost. No limitations, no parameters. There is nothing love won't do. Nothing was too valuable or more valuable than him. To her, this perfume worth a year's worth of work was nothing compared to him. This is the way she worshiped. I was watching this week. I I like court TV. I do. You know why? Because it's real. I mean, those are real people going to real jail for real sins, real consequences. I just kind of like to watch it. You know, it's not actors being paid a million dollars to say hello. So I'm watching this one, and this, this man was being interviewed who, who, whose daughter had been in danger, his little girl. And this guy was a crusty old guy, a you know, good old boy, kind of a blue-collar guy. And he wasn't rehearsing this. You could tell this wasn't rehearsed. But he says something to the interviewer. It just came out of his mouth. He said, for her, I would die and not think about it. That's when you love. When you would die and not think about it. And you know, it's a blessing to ever love that way even once in your life. Because there you get a little glimpse of God. God loved us so much. He gave his son, didn't even think about it. Done deal before the foundations of the world were laid. That's love. And every once in a while, we humans who are fallen, we get to experience a little slice of that. And Mary was so moved towards Jesus, this thing meant nothing to her. Nothing. She just poured it out. To Judas, it was waste. To Mary, it was worship. Waste or worship is in the eye of the beholder. Waste or worship is in the eye of the beholder. What looks like waste to one person 
is worship to another. Somebody may say to you, you're going to church all the time, reading the Bible, praying. You're that strong a Christian? Man, you could do this or you could do that. What a waste. But you respond and you say, no, it's no waste. He gave his life for me. He sent the Holy Ghost to live in my heart. He gave me the word of God. I gladly give him my life. It's no waste to me. It's worship. And then I see her extravagant worship was misunderstood and criticized. And worship, real worship, always comes under criticism. And worship is more than coming into a church and lifting your hands and worshiping God. Real worship is getting up every day and seeking him. Real worship is getting up every day and following him. Real worship is going out there into this culture that is so wicked and ungodly and taking a stand for him. Real worship is when you live for him and you crucify your flesh for him and you sacrifice things for him and you do whatever it takes to walk that narrow path that leads to life. That is the sweet fragrance of worship and it fills the house. Mark records that some of those standing by along with Judas, it wasn't just Judas, but some of the other ones chimed in with him and criticized her sharply. I was amazed to find that that word criticized comes from a Greek word that's mentioned one time in the New Testament. One time here. One time. So I said, well, i got to find out what it means. The Greek word means to snort with anger. It's to be so mad you snort with anger. It means to have indignation. It means to blame or to sigh with chagrin. Oh, man, I can't believe she did that. (sighs) This tells me that Judas and company lost it. They blew. They exploded in anger. Snorted with anger. Here's little Mary, thinking that she was just showing her worship to the Savior for raising her brother and being so good. And suddenly she comes under this harsh, angry criticism. Here's the principle. True worship separates the religious from the real, the genuine from the fake, the spiritual from the carnal. I hate to say it, but you can go into some churches in this country on a Sunday morning. If you lift your hands, you begin to worship, they will snort with anger. They'll look at you like you just came in with E.T. on a UFO. What are you doing? You're in church. What are you doing lifting your hands and being this demonstrative with your praise? Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer and worship. But that's what we've declined to. Now, I've learned a long time ago, and I'm going to close with this, that all that really matters is what God thinks about something. I just, I'm just, you know, in my older age, 54 now, feeling 30, but I'm actually 54. Feeling 30, but I'm actually 54. In my older age, I've seen that the opinion of people is cheap. They're for you one day, again you the next. They're behind you one day, pushing you forward, behind you the next day, stabbing you in the back. 
Their opinions come and they go, they rise and they fall. And if you live your life to please people, it's over with your walk with God. It's over. You can't be a people pleaser and be a God pleaser. I'm talking about Christians too. Church folk. I was with a bunch of preachers this week. Pastors get together. We just let it all hang out. We talk about stuff. And these, these guys were saying, man, I'll tell you, 99.9% of the persecution I've ever been through has been God's kids. And it's true. Now watch this. All that really mattered in the whole room was the opinion of Jesus. Even though you got people snorting with anger, the only opinion that really mattered was God's. And here's what Jesus said about it. He called it a good work. She has done a good work for me. Number two, he said that she had done what she could. That tells me worship can be individual. She has done what she could. Genuine worship is when you give him what you can as an individual. The poor widow gave two pennies. Jesus looked at it and said, she gave more than the rich people because she just gave all she could. She really worshiped when she gave. Mary gave 300 days wages. What she could. What can you give? There are some things you can do, friend. You sitting right there in that chair that somebody else can't do. You got to give what you can. You got to give what you can. What can you give? Well, when I was a teenager and got filled with the Holy Spirit, all that I had was me, and I gave him me. And that's what he really wanted anyway. He didn't want mine. He wanted me. And so you've got you. Give him you. Nobody can give him you but you. Give him you. Now, the last thing I see, her worship was intelligent. It was based on what she actually factually knew. Jesus says, she has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Can I tell you that this little woman, Mary, had more revelation of who he was than anybody in that room, including the 12? She had more revelation because none of them understood that he was to be crucified for the sins of the world. They didn't get it till after Pentecost. So here she is with a revelation. He's about to be killed. So she not only was pouring the perfume on his head to worship him. Are you ready? She was doing it to say goodbye. She was anointing him for burial. She said, I got your number. You're here to die for me. We worship Jesus intelligently, understanding who he is. I don't lift my hands to an idea. I don't lift my hands to a philosophy. I lift my hands to a living person who is at the right-hand side of God, who ever lives to make intercession for me. I worship a living Savior who's coming back someday soon. He's going to land on the Mount of Olives. It's going to divide in half. He's going to rule this world with a scepter of righteousness. I'm telling you, the time is short. You better lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing nearer by the day. That's who I worship. Say with me, her worship was intelligent, based on facts. Let me recap this. Say this with me, can you? True worship remembers to thank, gives what costs something, suffers criticism gladly, 
and worships intelligently. In our walk with Jesus, we do communion many times. But do we truly reflect on how deeply it should affect our lives? In today's teaching from Pastor Jeff, we learn the importance of paying close attention to the last week of Jesus on this earth. It's not just a story to remember who He was, but instead should be a blueprint for how we should love the people around us. Sacrifice yourself daily, just as Jesus did on the cross, and let your heart break for those who are lost. If you're interested in learning about Hardwired, Diane has some things to share. You've been listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Would you be interested in helping support this ministry as we further the gospel? All you have to do is text 817-484-4767 and enter the word GIVE to donate. We're so grateful for your continued support in listening to this program and also investing in the ministry. Once again, text GIVE to 817-484-4767 to give. Here's Daniel one more time with a sneak peek about the next edition. Have you ever looked into the prophecies of Jesus? Have you ever considered what He did for preparing the way for us to be saved? In the next installment of Hardwired, Pastor Jeff shows you how important it is to follow the life of Jesus on this earth. No one did more for making life easier to seek after God's holiness. Accept Jesus into your heart and be set free from your burdens. The only way to be saved is by God's perfect grace. Let Him prepare the way. There's more Pastor Jeff has to share from the book of Mark, so be sure to join us again. And if you missed any part of today's teaching, you can find it online at hardwired.org. We're so glad we could be part of your day today, and we pray you've been blessed by today's edition of Hardwired.